Hello, students, doctors, and aspiring EM physicians. I'm your host, Yusuke Kishimoto, and welcome to the R Squared Road to Residency podcast. Today, I'm joined by a few new faces on the series. Please welcome my amazing co residents, bourbon aficionado Jack Sedeth and international wanderluster Katie Kruger. Hey, I'm Jack, and I'm a PGY1 in emergency medicine. I went to medical school at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and I originally applied to plastic surgery, but it didn't match. Thankfully, I was able to get a great spot at a great school, and I couldn't be happier with the way things turned out. Hey, my name's Katie. I'm originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. I've lived in Memphis, Tennessee for the last 10 years or so. Went to medical school at NYTCOM. Um, I originally applied OB, so I did in fact soap. And so I think today we're gonna talk a little bit about like what is the soap process? Cause we all like hear about it and kind of like what really is it? That's right. Today we're gonna be covering all about the soap or the supplemental offer and acceptance program. Jack and Katie will be sharing with us their experiences in the soap process. Katie, would you like to start us off? So this soap is a process and an opportunity for candidates who applied in the match, who did not match, or who partially matched. Unmatched is someone who did not receive any position, whether it be a PGY1 preliminary position or an advanced position. And then partially matched is someone who got either a preliminary or transitional year, but then didn't match an advanced position. So say they were applying like radiology or PM&R, um, or also they could have matched their advanced position, but not a prelim or transitional year, or they could have matched the prelim transitional year and not the advanced position. So basically the week of match on Monday morning, you get an email at 8 a.m. Eastern finding out if you matched, if you partially matched, or if you went unmatched. Everyone kind of opens that Monday morning thinking, okay, like I'm going to match, I'm going to match. But there's some of us out there who, who are unfortunate enough to open that email and find out that they did not match. Um, and for those people who go partially matched or unmatched, then you kind of start into the SOAP program and you're able to go into NRMP and see a list of unfilled programs. And so at that point, basically you open it up and you can see all of the programs in the nation that went unfilled in every specialty. And it's kind of overwhelming at times because you don't really know what direction you're gonna go. You're still processing all these emotions and then you go in and open all these unfilled programs and you can see, okay, where can I apply now? So basically you open at 8 a.m. Immediately you have access to this list of unfilled programs. So what my husband and I did is we started looking through the programs and kind of starting to formulate where we wanna go, what do I wanna apply in? Um, I originally applied OB, so first step was to look at, you know, what spots are still available in that specialty, but then think about, okay, is, is that really what I wanna do or is there another route I wanna take? And for me, I really was thinking at that moment, okay, EM was the route I was gonna go, so started looking at the EM programs. And so you have a few hours to really think about all of the programs, kind of look at yourself, look at your stats and kind of see where you think you can go. But really, you know, SOAP is that free time to say, okay, I'm going to shoot my shots. But, but you do have to still be strategic about it like you do in the match, you know, thinking about, you know, where can I realistically apply and, and all of that as well. So from there, you look at the list of unfilled programs and then you kind of have to start reworking your application a little bit. So 
if you're applying to the same specialty that you applied to in the original match, then you know, you're know you kind of good because your application's already set. You've gotten your rec letters for those specialties. You've gotten your um, you've gotten your personal statement done. So you don't really have to rework any of that if you're applying to the same specialty. But if you're applying to a different specialty, then you kind of have to start to rework your application a little bit. You have to look at your letters of rec and see like, hey, you know, do I need to call anybody real quick and try to get a different letter of rec? The people, you know, the program directors, they understand kind of that you applied to a different specialty and they didn't expect to be there, you didn't expect to be there, and they kind of understand that whole process. Um, so it's really okay to use those um, letters of rec from other specialties. Everyone understands the process a little bit and understands that you're not going to have everything laid out for their specialty. But really, you do kind of need to rework your personal statement and kind of to a general medicine mindset. I kind of knew I wanted to direct myself into emergency medicine, so I did write a personal statement specifically for emergency medicine. Thankfully, I did have a general medicine one already kind of written out because I did dual apply on the front end to family medicine and OB. Then when I got through the application process, I decided to only rank my OB programs. So. I sort of was able to just rework my family medicine application and formulate it more towards the emergency medicine side of things. Um, but some people, you know, go from radiology to, you know, EM or radiology to medicine and they're completely different fields. So they have to spend a little bit more time kind of reworking that personal statement. So highly recommend that you do that. And if you're thinking potentially earlier on in the process that you might need to soap. That's something to think about. Like, uh, you know, I think you you ex you know it's a possibility to have to soap. Whether you have, you know, ten plus interviews or you think your interviews went really well, you get in the mindset of like, oh, like most people match. I'm gonna I'm gonna match, and then you wake up that morning. And you're like, oh crap! Like, I, I didn't match. What am I doing now? <laughs> um, and so I know some people prepare more for soap than others, and I was one of those people. I didn't did not prepare for soap, and I kind of was was freaking out the morning of like, wait, what do I do now? Like, what, is, what are the steps of this process? So that's kind of the first day. And you need to pick 40, 45 programs, I believe, to apply to. But basically that's the max that you're allowed to apply to. So if you wanna to apply to less on the front end, I think you can add more on the later end, but my school recommended that we go ahead and submit all on the front end, because it's a possibility that they might, they might not look at more applications after the initial um, period, um, so. I went ahead and submitted, I think, 40 applications the first evening. My school recommended that we had all of our applications in by 10 p.m. the night before. I think I ended up submitting mine around 8 because I was just so exhausted from all the emotions. I was like, okay, we're just submitting this. We're going to bed. We've got an early morning. I highly recommend if you have to soap, get that done early. Don't push it to the wire. You know, NRMP, ERAS, there are always issues. There's lags, you know, a program doesn't save, stuff like that. So make sure you go back and double check everything and make sure everything gets submitted properly and get some rest. Thanks, Katie. Jack, can you tell us a little bit about what the process is like throughout the week? Yeah, for sure. Starting at 8 a.m. on Tuesday, ERAS will begin releasing completed applications to unfilled residency programs for them to review all throughout Wednesday. Starting Thursday at 9 a.m., Eastern Time, NRMP's R3 system will host their rounds. Rounds are two-hour windows where programs may submit offers to applicants, 
with applicants' options to accept or deny offers. Any offers that are not responded to will be considered a denial. There are a total of four rounds with one-hour breaks in between. You can tell which schools regularly participate in the SOAP from those who don't because the schools that have gone through it before know the rules and are a little more aggressive in their approach. The schools with no SOAP experience generally treat it similar to the regular match and are a little more hesitant to express their interest in you as a potential candidate. So the vibe during SOAP is very different from the match. As a whole, it's pretty casual and you just kind of have to be ready to go with whatever comes your way. But on Thursday, when the offers start coming out, some schools will call you before or after sending you an offer to see if you'll accept the position. Some schools will also send you an email or reach out to you the night before uh, and let you know that they're interested in you as well. But sometimes it can be a little much, uh, especially if schools are pretty aggressive and you're kind of unsure at the moment. So just know that that could be coming. Things to consider are when you accept an offer, you're automatically matched into that program and you will not enter any additional rounds. If you deny an offer, you may hope to receive an invitation from another program that was higher on your list, but you run the risk of not receiving another offer from any future rounds. In the case that you're not able to obtain a residency position during the SOAP process, then applicants and programs will enter something unofficially called the scramble. NRMP will publish a list of vacant positions after SOAP that are currently available. This list may not reflect the actual number of available positions since some programs may close their positions and reduce their intern class size. They may fill the position internally or the position to someone they had considered during the SOAP. Some people try to play the odds with the rounds and they try to see what offers come through on subsequent rounds, but in reality, you aren't guaranteed to be offered the same spot in the second round that you were given in the first. In fact, the first time I went through SOAP, I don't believe I received the same offer twice. Uh, the second year, I kind of already knew that, so I accepted um, an offer the first round. Generally, as subsequent rounds occurred though, the offers I received were from schools further down on my list as potential candidates for residency. So my advice is really just to take a good offer if you get one. Thanks, Jack. Could you guys also elaborate on how the experience was going through the process? Like what were some of the feelings, considerations, priorities, or even game plans? For me, I was in central time zone, so I had to be up, ready, caffeinated. And then you don't know if you're going to have to do a Zoom interview or a phone interview. Every program does it a little differently. So basically you have to be dressed and ready. For me, I had to wake up, do my hair, do my makeup and be ready by 7 a.m. And you just wait for a phone call or an email that entire day. I think my first interview rolled in around 8.30 Central Time. Um, it was a phone call. Um, it was kind of a preliminary interview and they called me and we talked a little bit on the phone and then they told me they were going to set up a more formal interview via Zoom, I believe, the next day. And so basically Tuesday is just waiting around for the phone to ring and for an email. It's pretty stressful because you never know, you know, when it's going to ring or what you're going to have to do or what they're going to ask you just like during interview season, except it's a little more hectic because... You know, depending on how successful your soap is, you could have people calling you while you're on a phone call with another 
program and you're thinking like, oh, this could be another program. Do I need to hang up the phone and answer this other program? No, it's, you don't have to hang up. Like I would finish your conversation with the first program. You can always call the other one back. They're going to understand that this is kind of a crazy process for everyone and you, you know, might be getting a lot of emails and phone calls. For me, I don't know if I could have done that process without my husband because <laughs> you're getting phone calls. And so basically I would answer the phone. I'd have a piece of paper in front of me and I'd kind of like write down the program on the piece of paper and start taking notes and, you know, kind of jot down what we talked about because it gets hectic pretty fast um, at some points. Um, so making sure you like have a record of who you've interviewed with because there's no record in the ERAS system or NRMP who you've interviewed with. So make sure you write down the programs you interviewed with, a little bit about what you talked about because you may have a chance to talk with them again. Most of the time they give you residents' phone numbers. You're free to call back whoever contacted you if you have any questions, but um, it's hard to keep everything straight. So. When you get emails of times for interviews, just like you did during the match season, you know, making sure you write down the times of that and keeping all of that straight, because they may send you an email reminder, they may not. And so keeping all of that organized was tough <laughs> when it came down to it, because I ended up having more interviews in SOAP than I did during the whole interview system. So it got a little bit crazy doing, I think I had t over 20 interviews in SOAP, and that's, you know, interview process for SOAP is over the course of two days. So doing 20 plus interviews in two days is, is tough. So there were times when I would like come out of an interview and like not even know who I was interviewing with next. And like my husband was amazing at keeping the schedule and I'd look at him, I, you know, I'd get out of one interview and maybe have five to 15 to 20, 30 minutes until the next interview and I'm like, okay, where do I wear? Who am I interviewing with next? You know, so having maybe someone, if you have anyone who can support you like that during the process to sit there and keep everything straight for you because it does get pretty crazy. I know some schools have like war rooms where they have staff that can help support you and they have food, but having a support person who can sit there and keep your schedule straight, feed you, caffeinate you, hydrate you potentially field phone calls while you're in an interview. I think one at one point my husband had to answer my phone um, because I was in a Zoom interview and that was great because you know it one, let the other program know I was getting a lot of interest and that I was busy and I wasn't just ignoring their phone calls. Um, and then they were able to like, you know, he was able to say, hey, she'll call you right back. And they were able to kind of set up a time frame that, you know, I could give them a call back or, you know, let them know, hey, you know, she's free at this point. Could you call back at this point? So having a support person during that was really great. Is if you really want to be somewhere, tell them and tell them that early. You know, I took the honest approach. I didn't want to say, you know, lie to them and say, oh, I'm going to accept it. And then I didn't accept it because I feel like that just burns bridges. And, you know, we're all small, you know, medical community and that comes around. So I just told them honestly, like, hey, I really love your program. I'm not sure if this program is going to give me, you know, an offer round one, but you know, in the event that they don't, like, I will accept your spot. And if you're willing to take that risk on me, like, I would love that. But I understand if you can't take that risk. And um, they ended up still sending me their round one offer. And <laughs> um, I felt bad because uh, I didn't get my round one offer that I wanted. And I went to round two. And I felt really bad that I still didn't accept their offer. But 
ended up working out that way. I was in a weird situation where one of my top programs that I really wanted to accept a spot at, they sent me an email around 10 a.m. saying there was an issue with their system and none of their offers went out and that I was supposed to get an offer. So, and like I opened round one and I had, I think, six offers and all of them were like great programs I would have been super happy to go to, but just in my gut felt like something wasn't right. Like it wasn't right. And I was like, I think I need to go to round two. And then I got that email around 10 Eastern and that just confirmed it for me. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to round two. What can I do to maximize round two? I was like, okay, shoot, I'm going to send emails. So I sent emails to my number one programs. Um, I was like, okay, I know I've got my number two locked in. I'm going to send, you know, emails to my number one programs and um, heard back from both of them. Um, One of my number one programs was kind of like, okay, yeah, we're still thinking of you. You're on our list. Like, we'll see how this round goes. And then my other program was like, okay, we still have two spots open. We're putting you in number one spot. Like, you've got a spot. Like, just wait for round two. Like, we're excited to have you. And uh, that's where I ended up matching, and it was great. Super happy with the program I'm at, and everything worked out the way it was meant to. And I originally applied to plastic surgery, but I didn't match. I went through the SOAP process for EM and chose not to accept any offers. I ended up taking a plastic surgery research fellowship for a year and reapplied to plastics. When I didn't match again, I decided to participate in SOAP for a second time. This time, I applied to several different specialties, but the majority were EM. Having gone through the soap twice, the feelings of that week are very familiar to me. The week is not fun, and you have to make some pretty hard decisions quickly with very little preparation. You have to simultaneously process the realization that everything you worked hard for isn't leading you down the path you anticipated, while also making big decisions about the rest of your career. I also have a family, so feeling like I had let them down was a heavy burden. I had heard people make offhand comments about the soap, like if I don't match into this specialty, I'll just soap into that one. My impression going into soap the first time was that it would be relatively easy, and I could almost pick where I wanted because these schools were desperate to fill those spots, right? No. It was actually a major blow when I didn't get interviews at the schools I wanted the first time around. What most programs seemed to be looking for were people whose life goal was to be in their specialty and maybe came upon some bad luck and just didn't match. So for people like me, whose sole aim was a surgical subspecialty with historically zero soap spots, I had to sell myself as loving a specialty I really had devoted no time to. Now don't get me wrong, part of why I thought soap would be easy is because I actually was a really good applicant on paper and I thought that would be enough to get me where I wanted to be. But in reality, schools have the advantage in the SOAP, and they're going to be equally as picky during this process as the match. When I was going through SOAP, the things that became important to me were the culture of the school, how well faculty get along with the residents, uh, the amount of graduated autonomy, having a high patient volume, having the opportunity to frequently care for high-acuity patients, as well as being at a school that would provide a good network of physicians that could help leverage my career. It was important to me to keep my options open for my careers in attending, whether I wanted to practice in academics or in the private sector in the community. So for me, being at a large academic center that provides good exposure to academic emergency medicine was important. I'm also interested in research, so having 
opportunities available to participate in projects was something I looked out for. The SOAP process itself seems well structured on paper, but usually it's pretty chaotic. Uh, some schools reach out with a sign-up list for interview times, and some just cold call you and they will interview you right there on the spot. One school even emailed every applicant simultaneously and had us all sit in a waiting room while they interviewed us one by one in no particular order. Needless to say, I did not stick around for that interview. But basically, you have to be on call for an interview at any point, at any time throughout the week. I literally sat around in a suit for three straight days, scared to do anything that would commit me to something for more than 10 minutes. But it's also different because after the school makes contact with you, you can reach out to them at any time with any questions you have. And that concludes this episode. Talking about the soap may be an uncomfortable topic for most, especially when you have to consider what the steps and procedures are on the fly. I hope with their experiences and advice, we're able to help you best prepare for the upcoming match. Katie, Jack, do you have any last comments for our listeners? I hope this was helpful uh, for me when I went through the SOAP process. I wasn't prepared for it, and I, you know, my school had informational meetings about it, and I didn't go. I was like, oh, I'm going to match, and then, you know, didn't match, called my friend. I was like, okay, wait, what did I miss in all of those meetings? Um, so I hope my, my experience could be helpful. I know it's a little different for everybody, but hopefully this helps you out if you find yourself in that boat. It was... Nice talking with you guys. Yeah, nobody plans to sew, so have backup options. If you found this podcast helpful, please mention it to a fellow colleague. We would greatly appreciate your support. Catch, Catch you awesome people next time, time on the R Squared Road to Residency Podcast. Road to Residency Podcast.